Good morning, and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Friday, February 16th. On today's show, Kamala Harris faces the fraught task of reassuring U.S. allies after Trump sent shockwaves through NATO, and the New York Redistricting Commission approves modest changes to the congressional map. Plus, Ohio Democrats unveil numerous gun safety bills likely to be shot down by the GOP-led legislature. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with Vice President Kamala Harris, who is set to address the Munich Security Conference today, amidst a critical moment in U.S. foreign policy. This comes as lawmakers grapple with passing aid for Ukraine and Israel, and former President Donald Trump's comments about NATO allies stir controversy. Here to discuss this further is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you give us some context about the vice president's address? Certainly, David. This address comes at a time when the White House is dealing with the fallout of a special counsel report that questioned President Joe Biden's mental acuity, thereby placing renewed focus on the vice president. The main concern among U.S. allies is Trump's recent statement that he would encourage Russia to do whatever the hell they want to any NATO member country that doesn't meet spending guidelines on defense. That's quite a statement. How has this affected the NATO alliance? Trump's statement has sparked real concern that he would not abide by the collective defense clause at the heart of the alliance if reelected. This comes after the Biden administration worked to strengthen the bonds of the NATO alliance following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. There's also rising concern over Washington's ability to send more aid to Ukraine as the White House's national security supplemental request has remained stalled in Congress due to GOP infighting. What is Vice President Harris expected to address in her speech? Harris is expected to recommit to defeating the ideologies of isolationism, authoritarianism, and unilateralism. She will denounce these approaches to foreign policy as short-sighted, dangerous, and destabilizing, arguing that they could lead to a world of disorder. This message aligns with President Biden's recent criticism of Trump for his comments about NATO. Can you elaborate on President Biden's response to Trump's comments? In a recent speech, Biden accused Trump of bowing down to Vladimir Putin, calling his comments dangerous and shocking. He criticized Trump for suggesting he would encourage Russia to invade countries who don't meet their NATO obligations. Biden emphasized that he would never bow down to a Russian dictator, labeling Trump's stance as dumb, shameful, dangerous, and un-American. What has been the reaction from NATO allies to these developments? Trump's comment has drawn immediate consternation, not only from the American foreign policy establishment, but from American NATO allies who have watched warily as Russia proceeds with its invasion of Ukraine. The White House has repeatedly stressed the need to deliver additional funds to Ukraine, framing it as a matter of national security. Harris will meet with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on Saturday. Thanks for the insights, Celeste. Now shifting our focus to New York, a bipartisan redistricting commission has approved a new congressional map that could give Democrats a slight edge in this year's U.S. House elections, although it's not the electoral windfall the party might have hoped for. James, a correspondent for Simply Politics, is here to discuss this further. 
Can you give us an overview of the situation? Certainly. New York is expected to be a key battleground in the fight for the House this fall. The GOP, which flipped four seats in the state in the 2022 midterms, currently holds a narrow majority. The new map, approved by the New York State Independent Redistricting Commission, now moves to the Democratic-controlled state legislature for final approval. However, its fate there is uncertain. What are the potential implications of this new map? The biggest change under the new map would be for freshman Republican Brandon Williams, who represents parts of central New York. His new district would include more territory favorable to Democrats, likely resulting in a Democratic pickup. However, two Hudson Valley seats held by Republican Mark Molinaro and Democrat Pat Ryan appear to have grown safer for the incumbents. The map also leaves largely undisturbed other House districts in the New York City suburbs, which are potential battlegrounds in November. How has the reaction been to this new map? Reactions have been mixed. State GOP Chairman Ed Cox has called on state lawmakers to accept the Commission's approach, arguing that the voting public deserves continuity in district boundaries. However, Jay Jacobs, the chairman of the state Democratic Party, has urged caution, saying the map would require a thorough examination by the legislature. What happens next? The map now goes to the state legislature for approval. If approved, it would represent a far more modest outcome than what occurred last fall in North Carolina, where the GOP-controlled legislature passed a heavily gerrymandered map. However, Democrats in the state legislature have the final say over the map and could reject the commission's plan, potentially triggering another round of legal fights. What's the timeline for this? New York faces a court-ordered deadline of February 28th to complete its redistricting process. However, it's unclear when the state legislature will meet to consider the map. State lawmakers in New York are scheduled to be on recess next week, and House candidates are slated to begin collecting signatures for petitions to run for office on February 27th. This leaves little time for lawmakers to approve new district lines. Thanks for those insights, James. Speaking of tight timelines, let's shift our focus to Ohio, where Democrats have introduced a series of bills aimed at tackling gun violence. These proposals, however, are likely to face opposition from Republicans. The bills were unveiled at a gun violence prevention summit held at the State House. Our correspondent, Abby, is here to delve into the details. Can you tell us more about these bills, Abby? Certainly, David. The Democrats introduced five different pieces of gun safety legislation. The Keeping Our Survivors Safe Act would prohibit anyone with a domestic violence conviction from owning a firearm. The Common Sense Concealed Carry Bill would require a concealed carry permit to have a gun in public, and it would also require individuals to notify law enforcement during a traffic stop if they are carrying a concealed handgun. The Universal Background Checks Act would require a background check for the purchase of a firearm. The other two pieces of legislation introduced by State Representative Darnell T. Brewer would create a gun violence task force and declare gun violence a public health crisis. What's the rationale behind these bills? The Democrats believe that these measures could help prevent gun violence, which is a growing problem in Ohio. They argue that by limiting access to weapons for people who cannot pass basic background checks or qualify for concealed carry permits, communities will be safer. However, these proposals are not without controversy. 
What kind of opposition are these bills facing? Republicans, including State Representative Josh Williams, have expressed skepticism about these bills. Williams supports the 2022 decision to pass permitless carry, which eliminated the need for CCW permits to carry a gun in public. He believes that some of the proposed bills are unlawful as they infringe on a protected constitutional right. However, he does see room for compromise and is co-sponsoring two of the bills. What's the Democrats' response to this opposition? Democrats, including House Minority Leader Alison Russo, acknowledge that getting these bills passed will be challenging. However, they believe they are on the right side of the issue and are not giving up. Russo also highlighted the importance of redistricting reform for achieving accurate representation in the state. What's the stance of Ohio's governor, Mike DeWine, on these bills? Governor DeWine has expressed support for gun safety legislation in the past. However, he has also signed every bill loosening firearm restrictions that has reached his desk. He has urged the legislature to consider a bill that would allow family members to go to court to have guns taken away from individuals posing a risk. While we've just heard about a complex issue with strong opinions on both sides, let's now turn our attention to the UK, where Labour leader Keir Starmer has declared that Labour is back in the service of working people following the party's victories in the Tory strongholds of Kingswood and Wellingborough. These wins have eased fears over Labour's electoral prospects and have bolstered predictions of a large majority win in the next general election. Bella, a correspondent for Simply Politics, is here to discuss this further. Bella, can you tell us more about these by-election results and their implications? Certainly, David. These by-election results are significant. Labour managed to overturn a Tory majority of around 11,000 in Kingswood and an even bigger majority of 18,000 in Wellingborough. Labour campaign manager Pat McFadden has described these results as a mark of the progress that the Labour Party has made under Keir Starmer's leadership. However, he also stressed that the real test will come later this year with the general election. What does this mean for the Conservative Party? The Conservative Party has tried to downplay the defeats, highlighting the low voter turnout in both seats. Just 37% of voters turned out in Kingswood and 38% in Wellingborough. The party believes that if they can persuade their voters to come out at a general election, they can still retain power. However, the results of these by-elections suggest that the opposition party is capitalizing on the government's unpopularity. What are Labour's plans for the economy? should they come into power. Labor has outlined a three-pronged approach. Firstly, they aim to ensure financial stability and avoid a repeat of the Tory mini-budget that crashed the economy. Secondly, they plan to change the planning laws to stimulate the economy and make it easier for people to invest in the UK. Lastly, they intend to make a success of the green transition by setting up GB Energy and establishing a national investment fund to drive forward this transition, which they believe will provide more energy security and reduce people's bills in the long term. And what about the Conservative Party's plans? The Conservative Party's plans seem to be in flux. The Telegraph reported that Jeremy Hunt has shelved plans for a 2p cut to income tax at next month's budget, citing a Treasury source who said that the world has changed following the UK's fall into recession. The party is also grappling with the high costs of servicing government debt, 
which means that Mr. Hunt has less money to spend than expected. How are these by-election results being interpreted by political analysts? Political correspondent Kieran Stacy suggests that if Kingswood is more representative of national opinion, it indicates that the Labour lead is softening slightly. However, the Tories' attempt to gloss over the defeats by highlighting the low turnout in both seats may not hold up if the opposition party continues to capitalize on the government's unpopularity. That was Simply Politics reporter Bella. Thank you for your insights. And on that note, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>